0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Causes or Cures. I'm Dr. Eeks, your host. I hope you guys are doing well. Thanks so much for joining in today, wherever you may be in the world. I'm glad you found some time in your day to join us. So there is a lot of focus on how to slow the rate of dementia and Alzheimer's disease, especially here in the U.S. and other developed nations, since we are an aging population and dementia is awful. It's scary for the person going through it, for their loved ones to watch them go through it. Oftentimes, you feel helpless. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could figure out a way to prevent it, or at least slow it down? Today, my guest is Dr. Margaret Gatz. She is a professor of psychology, gerontology, and preventive medicine at the University of Southern California's Leonard Davis School of Gerontology. And for people who may not know what gerontology means, it's the study of the social, psychological, cognitive, biological aspects of aging. Dr. Getz recently published a paper in the journal of the Alzheimer's Association titled, Prevalence of Dementia and Mild Cognitive Impairment in Indigenous Bolivian Forager and Horticulturalist. Today, she is going to talk about these indigenous populations who are mostly hunter and gatherers like our ancestors, very different than us here in the developed world, how she conducted her research to assess risk and rates of dementia and what we can learn from them in terms of risk factors and prevention. You know, do the risk factors for dementia go hand in hand with a modern, developed way of life? in many ways, a sedentary way of life, right? Well, let's find out, shall we? One moment while I connect here to Dr. Gatz. So uh, thank you so much for joining on Causes or Cures. And for our listeners, we're going to talk about um, her research that she recently did on dementia. But, But first, I wanted to ask if you would give us a brief overview of who you are and the type of work that you do?
1: Uh, uh, Sure, Uh, I'm a clinical psychologist and professor of psychology at University of Southern California. Uh, My specialty has been working with older adults. I'm I'm currently uh, located at a research center Center for the Study of Economic and Social Research at USC, so primarily engaged in research.
0: All right. And I wanted to specifically ask you about um, well the, your, the paper that you wrote, which um, prevel- Prevalence of Dementia and Mild Cognitive Impairment in Indigenous, Bolivian, Forager, Horticulturalist. I, I hopefully didn't ask her that word too much. Um, but the, but the Bolivian population, how did you get interested in them?
1: Uh, they found me. Uh, oh, okay, <laughs> so I, I've, been in, I've been interested in dementia for, for many years because it's pretty much impossible to be a clinical psychologist interested in older adults without repeatedly being faced with questions about, I feel like I'm having problems with memory and thinking, Should I be worried? What can I do? So my interest in dementia has been longstanding. Separately, uh, a group of uh, researchers, largely anthropologists, had been working with the Chimene population, which is an indigenous population in Bolivia, for nearly two decades. And they had noticed a very low prevalence of coronary artery disease in this population. And they asked the question, I wonder if the same finding would apply to dementia. Hmm. And I was lucky enough to be among the group of people they sought to talk to, to set up a dementia component for the research. Absolutely, the research found me, and it has been one of the most fascinating research endeavors in my entire professional life.
0: So, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the specific populations that, that you worked with. Can you tell us a little bit about them? What makes them unique, different sure. than us here in America?
1: <laughs> sure. And, and the whole idea of looking at populations such as these is that in, in in some ways we're looking at what was our own history how how might we have been prior to industrialization and urbanization and and, and it's this general kind of question that that sends the anthropologists in search of populations to study. Mm. So the Chinanee are uh, an indigenous population in Bolivia, not in the highlands, but in the Amazon basin. There's something like 17,000 members of the population. The team is studying approximately 100 villages. So these are people who live mostly along a river that's a tributary of the Amazon. They forage in the forests. they fish, they hunt. Uh, There's small scale farming. Uh, If you visit the uh, villages, uh, there's always chickens running around (laughs) and there's always plantains hanging from the rafters. We also visited the Mosatan, who are an adjacent population that's genetically related, but is slightly more acculturated to modern Bolivian kinds of ways of living. So a little bit more. Contact with uh, market economy. So, so we looked at both. We visited uh, both groups and report on both of them in the paper.
0: Okay, and and uh, in terms of uh, schooling, is there any formal education or?
1: Good question. The average education for older chimene is zero years. Wow, uh, enormously high percentage are. Not literate in younger Mosetan. More people have maybe one to three years of schooling.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. Very very interesting. And you traveled here, right? You were here. In the... I,
1: so I I was privileged to visit and visit several villages with uh, the lead anthropologist on the study, Hillard. Kaplan and with two Bolivian physicians who are part of the assessment team. So we were doing a combination of making sure we believed our assessment instruments were accurately capturing the experience of the people we were assessing so that we were finding diagnoses that would be comparable to what you would find in a different population Okay. So I I got to see villages meet people and see it, how the assessments played out in the field uh,
0: what a what a great experience I bet that's
1: uh, it it was it, it was fascinating
0: yeah I bet I bet um, so if I understood this correctly well I, I felt like there was work ongoing but did this study start in
1: 2017 the Dementia assessments started in okay. 2017, but the earlier visits that had been made by the anthropologists included medical assessments and also brief cognitive testing. So there was a lot to build on already.
0: Okay. Okay. So, can you tell us a little bit, walk us through the methodology that you used?
1: Sure. Sure. Uh, We took the regular definition of dementia from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders and operationalized it to the Chimene context. So the definition includes that there's cognition impaired in at least two domains, meaning problems in memory or language or solving problems or spatial skills. And those problems would be sufficient to interfere with usual everyday function and would be something that was acquired. It hadn't been part of the person's entire life. Generally would be progressive. And there wasn't some other explanation for why there was such a problem. So to get to that definition, we took instruments that had been developed before, including ones just simply translated into Spanish. Most of the Tans speak Spanish. Chimene has to be further translated into the Chimene language. So we took existing instruments including some, for example, from the Mexican health and aging study that also had been used with fairly low literacy populations. We also looked at instruments that had been developed for a uh, study comparing U.S. and African rates of dementia and instruments that had been used in Australian aboriginals and instruments that had been used in rural India. And then further sort of changed to be sure we were asking questions that made sense Mm -hmm. to the people we were interviewing. I mean, that's as simple as people in Bolivia receive all, not Social Security. Mm. But there's also how if someone can't read and follow an instruction you can give a question saying, watch what I do and do this, or listen to what I tell you to do and do this, Mm. or um, to get an idea of manipulating information. We had people describe walking from place A to place B and what they pass along the way, step-by-step, and then what they passed along the way returning step-by-step. Step. So we just worked through standard assessments to make sure we were capturing the experience of the people we were interviewing. And the physicians visited uh, everyone, and then the physicians sat down in their room and um, a neurologist, a neuroradiologist, and I sat down at USC, and we separately looked through all the information and arrived at our best guess of a diagnosis. Then we compared notes and discussed any we disagreed on and arrived at a consensus uh, clinical diagnosis.
0: Okay. Okay. And... Um- So can you talk a little bit about some, your key results?
1: Sure. I, the, the chief result is a very low rate of dementia. We predicted low again, starting with that expectation based on the low rate of coronary artery disease. If anything, it was lower than we even expected. On the other hand, there was mild cognitive impairment and at a rate not dramatically lower than would be expected in comparison populations. So people did experience cognitive impairment, but we saw almost no dementia. Also intriguingly, the dementia that we saw did not comport with Alzheimer's disease. And this was the case both in terms of the symptoms that memory was not necessarily the chief complaint, but also we had the uh, fantastic opportunity of having CT of brains. So the anthropology team transported the participants in the study to the nearest city in Bolivia that had a CT machine and they performed CT of both chest and brain. Wow. So the brain CTs did not typically show a pattern of atrophy that would be consistent with what would be expected of Alzheimer's disease. Okay. So the dementia that we did see, unlike... The U.S., Western Europe, where the preponderance of dementia is Alzheimer's disease, this was not the case in the Chimenean and Mostan.
0: Okay. And just uh, as an add-on question, what, do we know the age range? Or um...
1: Yeah. So we looked at people age 60 and older. So the age range is an important question because the population age structure in Chimene is very much more like a pyramid, whereas in the US or Western Europe, right. there are proportionately more older adults and it's a much squarer shaped age population with more
0: right. older
1: people. So we, we also calculated what the prevalence would have been in the Chimene had the age population distribution been the same as the United States. And that did not explain the difference in prevalence we saw. So it is not the case that the only reason there was a low prevalence was not as many people lived to be very old. That does not explain... The finding.
0: Right, right. And it do we um do you know what their average lifespan is compared to ours or in general?
1: Uh we we met people in their 70s, 80s, and 90s.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Uh life life expectancy has been becoming better in the Chimene. The uh Once past childhood diseases, there's uh, much less uh, reason for early cause of death. Reasons for death, though, are not so much the chronic diseases that Ah. we see in the Western populations, but accidents, infections, and so on.
0: Okay. So like things like, I mean, we're struggling with obesity right now. You might not see that. With
1: them. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the interesting questions is, as acculturation proceeds, obesity may be going up, diabetes may be going up as there's greater uh, connection with market economy. Right. And so one question is whether those things will be relevant to changes in rates of dementia in these uh, indigenous populations, much as we speculate, this has been part of the explanation for rates of dementia in Western populations. And in turn, is the explanation, maybe the explanation now for a slowing of incidence in Western populations.
0: Ah, uh, I see. Okay. Um, now, you also discovered an interesting phenotype or unusual phenotype. Um, prominent arterial calcifications, so I guess in general terms, like hard, hardening of the arteries is one way to put it. Um, what, what does this mean? Yeah, what was what was that about?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So we it was noticeable that there were brain calcifications evident in the uh, in the CT of the brain. And this included uh, in particular in the basal ganglia area. And it looks a little bit to be related to Parkinsonian symptoms, which makes sense neurologically and possibly to problems cognitively in sort of visual-spatial areas, visual-spatial kinds of tasks. We've compared rate of these calcifications at a population level in the Chimene to the few published examples that are available in Western populations. And it's clearly higher. And we're now pursuing collaborations with people who have worked with these calcifications in in, uh, Western European samples to try to figure out what's going on, uh, why there might be a higher rate in Chimene, the answers could be everything from diet to genetics. Mm. It's hard to know.
0: Right, right. Now, do they eat the, I mean, like three meals a day, or is it just kind of whenever? Is there like a structure that you've
1: noted that they follow? Uh, I I'm I need the anthropologists to give you a complete answer. Okay. My, my understanding is there's a meals kind of regimen, but there is an issue of food scarcity. Oh. So okay. part of the reason that, people aren't obese, could also be related to what they eat, and the fact that subsistence living means exactly that, is finding sufficient food. Right,
0: right.
1: Wow. And what people eat includes, you know, things that are gathered from the forest, fish, Things that one hunts as well as things that one grows.
0: Wow. Um, so given the known risk factors for dementia, w- what can the, r- the results of your research tell us? Or you know, what direction does it point us in?
1: Well, what's tempting is to point to low obesity low rates of diabetes, low rates of hypertension, which are known in the literature on risk factors for dementia. And to say, these may explain low rates of dementia in the Chimine. And indeed, they may. Uh, We also need to recall that we are performing here a prevalence study. So we're taking a snapshot in time. Right. So the other thing we don't know, and we're in the middle of trying to figure out the answer now, is what's the course of cognitive impairment and dementia? So what is the incident rate? How many new cases occur compared to other populations? and how long do people survive once they develop cognitive impairment? Because at least one possibility is that in Western, in Western countries with good medical care, people who have dementia may survive longer.
0: Right. And that
1: would lead to a higher prevalence rate. Right. So the things we need to figure out are, What's the incidence rate? And then what's the role of these risk factors? Or in the case of the Chimene, their protective factors, the low diabetes, um, low obesity, what's what's their role in predicting incident cases? And that's what we're in the middle of doing right now.
0: Very interesting. Um, And I mean, this question kind of ties into that. Are, are there broader implications for this, um, or I guess you're going to find out in terms of, I guess we're maybe where we invest our resources. You know, should it be more prevent prevention um, or treatment?
1: Uh, yeah. So there's there's worldwide interest now in identifying preventive factors, and preventive factors are best understood in a lifespan context. This includes everything from higher education, better childhood nutrition, maintaining healthy weight, especially in midlife, maintaining low blood pressure, maintaining low blood sugar. All of these factors are of huge interest in asking, can we lower prevalence of dementia as a, as a global phenomenon. Yeah. So one of the things that this leads me to, in a way, jumping ahead of what we can demonstrate statistically at this moment, is wanting to get the message to the Bolivian populations we work with, saying, uh, as, as these markets open up, Guys, stay away from those sugars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Um, that's yeah. If they can do it, uh, it's it just it seems. I mean, sugar is like a drug. Uh, But um, yeah, wow. Um, Now, do you plan on going back to Bolivia?
1: Oh, I hope so. Yeah. COVID has definitely intervened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the team in Bolivia has started revisiting all the people we met before, as well as anyone else who has turned 60 in the meantime. So we're partway through uh, the second wave, the incident wave of assessment. Okay, So hopefully we're going to find something out. Whatever we find out is going to be interesting.
0: (laughs) Was I mean, were those populations affected as much by COVID or not?
1: Yeah, really good question. A lot of people got COVID, but not a lot of people died of COVID. Cases tended to be less severe. Mm. And Various other members of our team, I mean, we've got a team of, you know, whatever, 40, 50 people working on this project. Uh, Various other members are pursuing questions about COVID. One of the questions we have is whether the people who did have COVID will show any cognitive effects.
0: Yeah, right, because they're seeing that with long COVID here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I wonder too, the kind of uh, medical treatment they had, or if, um, if, it, if it was like the conventional doctors came and took care of them or?
1: The, the research team attempted to be helpful with uh, medical intervention.
0: For COVID? Yeah. Okay. Okay. But they didn't end up I mean, yeah. Just here, it was like every day you'd hear someone going into the hospital, having to um, get oxygen. Um, wow.
1: So, so, so that people set up um, possibilities, uh, steroids, administering some oxygen, and so forth locally. That the the team of the team doing the assessments uh-huh. also is a medical team that helps meet medical needs or arrange for medical care as part of the contract in working with the Chimene and studying them.
0: Okay. Oh, wow. Very interesting. I mean, and I didn't, I, this is just an add-on question I had, but their environment, like the Amazon forest essentially, are, um, are, are they at risk at all of losing their environment or um
1: so this this is a big question yes uh, so when i was there i saw some of the logging that's yeah. going on
0: yeah
1: enormous trees being removed Aww. and the, this is a huge point of tension about how to reconcile the rights of people to their land regions and um, interests of development. There's also a lot of ro- road building going on. Yeah. At, you know, at the same time as the uh, roads are such that some of the people we want to assess, we can't get to.
0: Uh, I see, I see. Yeah, I thought about that. Just uh, I always think about things holistically, you know, um, and I, I know that, that the deforestation probably isn't a, an issue for sure. Um, one thing I learned from your paper, which I actually sent me down further research um, was the risk, the air pollution connection to uh, I think it was Alzheimer's or, or dementia. I'm not sure. Uh,
1: probably both. both. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know that air pollution is specific to Alzheimer's, but there may be some specific places in the brain that are most vulnerable that are more related to Alzheimer's. But um, air, it, yeah, in general, air pollution, not good for the brain. And one's immediate thought is, oh, there must be less air pollution. I think it's just the sources of air pollution are different. And we're hoping to uh, do some measurements yeah. of of what of of air quality as part of continuing assessments
0: wow yeah that would be really interesting um but dr getz thank you so much this was really interesting um i'm really glad you came on and shared your research and i hope uh when you finish the new study the incidence rate and the the course um if you'd be willing to come back on and talk about it i mean i know this is everyone's looking for answers for this it's uh you know, obviously dementia and Alzheimer's are just horrible things. Um, so thank you, really appreciate this.
1: No, um, th- thank you Thank you for your questions. I, I think we are learning something about the nature of dementia from this work, uh, the nature of what the disease process is and also risk and protective factors that, that we hope will be useful to others. So I, I I really appreciate your interesting questions.
0: Thank you so much. And um, I hope we stay connected and um, definitely would love to have you come back on. And if you go back to Bolivia, safe travels. That's um, I I think that's so cool. I wish I had the opportunity to do something like that. That's really neat.
1: It is. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining in and listening to this episode As always, I appreciate it. If you like or share the podcast, subscribe, tell your friends. Um, If you can, leave a review on Apple or Spotify. I guess there's places there to leave reviews. I appreciate all of the word of mouth. Uh, It means a lot to me. If you'd like to reach me, you can reach me through my website, bloomingwellness.com. I read all the emails I get. Um, Sometimes I don't have the chance to respond, but I do read and I do take your feedback and suggestions into consideration. Okay, guys, that's it for me. Um, I hope to see you here next time. Have a good rest of your day.